Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne. And as you know, it's my job to unpack the stories, mental fitness practices of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. Today, we are jamming with Amir Perkins, forecaster, futurist, and designer. She has worked with The Gap, Victoria's Secret, W. GSN and Old Navy and is currently at Pinterest as a senior lead in creative strategy. Amir, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me, Mark. Before we're, like I said, before we hit record, there's just, you have such a beautiful background and and I guess skill sets in, in different areas and whatnot that, as you said, uh, come together to make a really nice career pr- portfolio versus what we're usually familiar with around career paths and so forth. So I can't wait. I mean, there's so many topics, uh, you know, where I can pull the the thread a little bit and dive into. Um, but before we do that, just like everyone gets on this show, if we strip away the titles, strip away the, you know, the work that you've, you've done, you're currently doing, just, you know, who are you? Ooh, um, I would say I am an avid researcher. Like everything that I do is rooted in some type of research because I love digging into things I don't know or topics that really inspire me. Um, I like to go down rabbit holes. And I think it's because I am like a hyper curious person. So I would say, yeah, I'm like a curious researcher, but I also like love being super creative. So whether that's, you know, showing up and growing up dancing or also doing, you know, certain, some sort of like creative activity or learning a language, like that is really important to me. Where do you think that curiosity sparked or where where did it originate? Like, did you grow up like that? Were you surrounded by just that, you know, uh, I guess that researcher kind of persona? I think I've just always been a natural rebeller. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I have always questioned what people have shared with me and not because Mm. I didn't believe them. I just wanted to dig into the why. Um, It got me in trouble a lot in school where I was asking a ton of questions, but I actually think that it was my own process of understanding how to process the information, how to comprehend a topic. Uh, So when someone would say it's this, I would say, well, why can you explain it to me here? I need to know more. Or like, is there another part of it that I don't know about? And that has always been true, even since I was a kid. Um, and it's something that I love taking with me is just, it's okay to maybe ask for more, you know, context or maybe not agree with what someone says because you're trying to understand their perspective. And I think that that's sort of where it started. I think it's more than maybe. I mean, uh, it's it's such a gift that you're able to keep or hang on to that curiosity because, you know, I mean, you're speaking to the guy that's obsessed with questions. So I'm a bit biased, but I mean, we're essentially all born super curious. I mean, it's the only way we kind of evolve to, you know, where we're at, like even just learning how to walk or talk and whatnot. Like it's all, in, in my opinion, like a, curio- a natural curiosity to uh, evolving and, and growing. And then at one point we just start to, you know, for various kind of host of reasons, stop asking questions and, and people on this show probably get tired of me or hearing this from me, but then we're put onto this like autopilot essentially and stop asking questions altogether. And you get to this point and you're like, oh shit, like how did I get here? And like life starts to explode and whatnot. So, well, we stopped asking the questions. It's not, you know, there were, there were some clear signs along the journey. It's just if we can slow down and pause and think a little bit and ask these, these questions, at least we can surface some, some insight and so forth. I have a ton of questions around that topic, but I just want to set some context uh, first. Just, you know, like what are, what is it that you're doing um, at Pinterest right now? And and maybe for the listeners, I mean, the reason we're connected, uh, I I was sent a link uh, showcasing the the latest Pinterest predicts for, for this year, 2023. And of course there's, I mean, I was su- I'm super biased in just well-being and, and mental fitness and so forth. And there was a whole section around, um, writing and art therapy and prompts and some like my curiosity was really was really peaked and I just kept diving in and, and so forth and and figured out that uh you had a role to play in in obviously uh some of the the work that was coming out there and that's how we connected so uh, you know I'm curious just to to learn a little bit more about what you're doing 
at Pinterest, and then we can fill in the blanks of 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 some of your backstory and like how you actually do what you do. Sure. Um, so I am a senior lead of creative strategy, which is a really broad term. But what it means is that we are responsible for helping brands show up in the right way to empower consumers on the platform. So mm. we help them with their ad content. Um, on our platform, we believe that great ads make great content. So it's really important since we're a visual platform to have the space for these brands to show up and really make a difference in how you sort of disrupt someone's feed journey, whether that's on their mobile device or it's on their desktop. I am definitely the person that plays on my desktop the most. Um, But I run a team of strategists who oversee some of the lesser known verticals that you would think of on the platform. So most people come to the platform and they're thinking, I want something great to wear. I want to know what my wedding's going to look like. I want to you know, redesign my home. And I get to work with the advertisers and brands who are in financial services. You know, you need help saving and budgeting so that you can actually have that renovation without wedding. Or Mm. all the way through to an auto brand, you know, like what kind of experience are you trying to create for your family? Are you taking them on road trips? Do you want to take them camping? What are the best vehicles to be able to do that? So really what we call non-endemic to the platform. So I love working with those brands because they really are the ones that you don't think of when you come to Pinterest, but they are the ones who kind of keep it all running and keep it alive. And I'm lucky enough to partner with them every day. Um, And then on the flip side, because I have this background in insights, I am able to work on Pinterest predicts. So I work with a small team. Um, We have an incredible brand research team who starts all of the research in the beginning of the year. And then I help them kind of come in and collate what that information looks like and help point them in the direction of, hey, this is interesting. Maybe we need to explore this topic further. Maybe this is a great way to cluster this information. Um, Mm. So really bringing those kind of qualitative methodologies into um, that process and then being able to help the writing team create this like incredible narrative around what the trends are doing. And that's what you see when you read the predicts report. Yeah. Well, and it's, I, it's, I'm surprised I haven't had hadn't come across Pinterest predicts uh, sooner because I was just I already can't wait for next year's <laughs> version um, because it's just from my understanding and this is a, a general way of describing essentially you're you're capturing obviously the searches that that people are uh, you know d- deploying I guess or, or, or researching on the platform and then based on that data uh, predicting you know like what's what's to come. And so forth. And I think like, I'm pretty sure the trends, like the the success is something like 80 plus percent. So it's not, you know, this is pretty good stuff. Yeah. Uh, is that how, essentially, is that how it works? Yeah. So our team is really incredible. I mean, they look at millions of search queries and then they bucket it all down to about 5,000 um, by vertical, which is really incredible. And then yeah. we sift through all of that data. And the nice thing about predicts, which is, I think, a key differentiator to some of the other trend reports, is that we're looking at behaviors that we know are coming. It's not about looking at what's just happened. It's looking at what's next. And so yeah. we'll, we're able to see these like early signals and shifts in the behaviors of what they're searching for and make it really different. And I think one thing that's also really fascinating about their report as a whole is that it really is about the longevity of what we're saying. So we had this really great trend called uh, Chance of Showers. And it was rooted in this idea that you're creating this like sanctuary in your bathroom. Um, and you're also being mindful of drought tolerance at the same time. Like, you know, we know that with a lot of climate change and what's going on, you want to be able to create your own mini escape, but you also want to be, um, you know, conservative when it comes to the way that you're creating this environment. We've been seeing this for a long time. So if you go back far enough in our predicts reports, you can start to see the trajectory of this trend and how it started to become more and more important. We oh. also noticed that more people were actually spending more time in their bathrooms than ever. So it's like all of a sudden, everyone was starting to incorporate a bathtub again after all those years of just installing showers. So you're seeing people really lean into, I want to be in a meditative state. I want to create rituals for myself. I want to add the eucalyptus in my bathroom so that I have the steam and the scent when I'm, you know, taking a shower. Or Guilty having... for that one. Yes, same. It's hanging <laughs> in the shower right now. Uh, and so 
I think that that's like something that we look at, which is we knew that these things were starting to happen, but we were paying attention to what they were searching for. So we were able to go in and say, okay, here are the key search terms that type back into this larger theme. And then when advertisers are like, hey, how do I maybe speak to this? And I didn't know that that was happening. They're able to tell a better story and actually resonate with a customer more authentically because of the search terms that are happening on our platform. So it's a really nice matchup of behaviors and also what's happening off the platform. Yeah. Well, and I suspect too that like it, it's also a nice way to not just completely disrupt the like the user experience of, okay, if I'm in in that mindset of looking for, you know, different ways to upgrade my, let's just say, morning routine, you know, in the bathroom or evening wind down and, and like I'll link this to mental fitness and well-being. But then you're, you know, you're flipped an ad that is actually relevant to what you're doing, right? Like I would gladly accept, you know, a eucalyptus brand or something like that. I'm like, oh, I never thought of trying that or and that might lead me to something else to just enhance my overall experience with what I'm already interested in versus like something completely, you know, uh, uh, kind of left field that just, uh, and I hate to pick on media, but like I, Forbes is the worst for this. It's like you just, I feel like there's like, you know, a, an inch surface to be able to read the article and you're just getting nailed with ads all over the place um, versus like just stuff... Um, you know, Unsplash does a really good job like this uh, with this as well. A Canadian um, photography uh, website where, yeah. again, like you're searching for use case, uh, you know, like uh, photos for a presentation or something, and you know, then you get you get you know Microsoft ads or something that are relevant and and, and just makes the experience uh, a lot more uh, connected and I guess more authentic in a way. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to chat a little bit, and then and then and then I really want to dive into just like your mind and and you know how you how you do what you do. But uh, Pinterest predicts what I say for the mind. I forget the heading that that you guys used for this. It was was it slowing it was something slowing down like the writing therapy one. I can't remember what the the what was the language for that one. Uh, it doesn't matter. Regardless, I have the screenshot of, of of some of the percentages. But writing therapy up, you know, over eighteen hundred percent expressive art therapy activities, which I'd love to talk on. I know you did some color therapy uh, or color uh, coloring with three-year-old recently at your home. Music therapy up 30%. actually just interviewed someone uh, last week around the power of music and when we can be intentional with um, how it can really change our brain and our mood and so forth. Journal writing prompts up 220%. Art journal therapy almost 400% increase. So yeah, I'm just curious, like even from your just for, for you personally like have you have you adopted any different practices around these themes you know based on some of the stuff that's been coming out over the last you know couple of years or so like what's your what's your setup look like for your for your uh reflection and mental fitness yeah so i mean my desk is filled with notebooks um and mm, i hear like notebooks for different topics so i try to keep it organized uh, you know, some obviously is for work, but I like to be able to still sketch. So my background is in art and that is a true escape for me is like creating something that's really personal that does not need to go out to the universe. So, uh, you know, being mm. able to have like a mini notebook that I keep around, um, I'm always walking around with some sort of notebook. Um, I would say also like just crafting, like that is a huge part. So like my desk again has a ton of markers and crayons and pencils and up different types because I want to be able to play with something different um, at any given point in the day. Uh, even as a team, we recently uh, got sketchbooks, which I thought was really fun. And oh, we were just, it. it wasn't about writing down words. It was about drawing an idea. And sometimes just that escape for 10, 15 minutes is enough to say, oh, okay, my brain is resetting. And now I can go back and do the emails that I need to get back to. Um, but I think having an outlet of some sort where you're either writing it down, maybe you're learning something new and having a space for just yourself. Again, it doesn't have to be a long period of time, but like five, 10 minutes is enough to be able to reset. And I think that that's yeah. really important in my day to day. And I do it throughout the day, actually. 
in the mornings as well as the evenings. Hello, friends. Given you're here, I'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit. So with that in mind, I want to let you know about the Better Questions newsletter, which publishes once or twice a month, providing all of us the opportunity to slow down, think, and ask better questions. As you know, quality questions are my thing, and this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's BehindTheHuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. I'm curious. This, so this is definitely a topic I wanted to, to inquire about because especially when it comes to, I imagine, when it comes to doing work on trends and... You know, it seems like there's probably a million different inputs that would come to be able to do a really good job as someone that works in trends or pull together a strategy or a clear, you know, message from all of that that data. And, you know, knowing a little bit about your process for from the interview of the show, but just that you're always scanning, right? You're always researching things. I think you said something like, you know, your, your mind is kind of like, uh, there's always many tabs open in your mind, essentially. Um, what... And then knowing what you just mentioned about like what your desk looks like and, and whatnot, like what what does your flow look like if you're if you're starting? You can pick a, a fictitious project or you don't have to name it, but like a big project with all of these inputs. Like how do you go from that period, that moment where you have all this data coming in to getting to a point where you can still your mind enough to essentially connect the dots, right? And and have an output that all of us can then be like, oh, wow, writing therapy, 1,800%. Like, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of different systems that I like. Okay. To I think if I'm looking at my research, like, yes, I have a 100% scanning everything. And I always, always start with social media because it's the most authentic version. Even if it's not an authentic piece of content, it is the most authentic version for how people interact with it. And so... Okay. I like to save everything. Every platform has some sort of saving tool or, you know, feature on it, and I use it. What have, stimulates a save for you? Ooh, a headline. Okay. Uh, if it's visually arresting, I think that that's a big one. Um, if it seems odd, I'm like, hmm, it okay. seems interesting. And it's regardless of industry. So I think it's really easy when you're thinking about like fashion or beauty or maybe even in the home, you're like, oh, that's such a nice piece of furniture. Like, of course I would say that fluffy boucle chair that I want in my house. But the things that make me really excited are like when people start talking about the process, um, when people are saying like, what's going on with the housing and, you know, crisis. I'm like, there's something going on there. When I see charts that people have like moved to different cities. I'm like, I need to know more about this. I want to stop in my tracks. I don't know why. Um, So it's like the unexpected aspects of it too. And I I like to mix that sort of um, more analytical with something that is really just inspiring and conceptual. Um, So that's the first bit. I also just, because I said I do have many open tabs, it's so true. Like, to the point that I have to section things and bucket them in order to be like, I'm going to go back to it. And I just want to, I have buckets that I use across every platform that I utilize. And then I have a, a spreadsheet, like a wild spreadsheet of every single thing that I have saved, links to it, what when wow. I save it, um, because I want to be able to go back and reference it. And maybe it's just like something for myself where it's like maybe when I'm in my 80s, I have this like archival thing and I'm going to release it, you know, to yeah. family or whatever. Like, I think it would be really interesting to just like have a lifelong project of what the internet has done. Um, but I love it. I, I resonate with, I have a, a similar spreadsheet, but it has all of the prompts that guests have left over the years. There's just hundreds and hundreds of them. And I'm like kind of think of the same thing. I, Sometimes I go back and if I need, you know, if I'm writing a piece and looking for some interesting prompts, but in a way I kind of like, I just want to build this massive database and one day see if I can do something interesting with this or even just a look back. So I I get that one. So true. Like there's a level of memorializing something and also having ownership of your own data. 
And it doesn't have to, you know, exist in a platform. It can literally just be something that's like, yes, I want to save all the prunes. I do this thing every day at work called the water cooler chat of the day. And it's, um, it's themed by day. So, you know, we'll start with like easy icebreakers and then we'll start talking about like, what's going on with your industry? Where are you getting creative inspiration? Let's amp each other up and just like, what did someone help you with this week? And then we wrap the week with like, uh, you know, what are you listening to? What are you watching? What are you making, cooking, whatever? And the goal is at the end of the year to create this interactive book with, I would love to do like a QR code or like a NFC sticker or something and send it to the whole team and be like, hey, like, let's remember all the amazing stuff we talked about this year. Yes. Uh, and I think that people love it because like, one, it ties into like memories and future nostalgia, but it also reminds them that you're paying attention. And I think that that's, that's why I love saving things. I'm like, I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. Even if it only captured my attention for 10 seconds, I still want to know that it captured my attention. So that's why I save it. But I do it for everything. Our house, yeah. we are starting to renovate. We have an entire spreadsheet of the contractors that were originally used on the house because the um, the old owner actually saved it in a in an old like five star notebook, and um, I was like, I need to get this down digitally. How do I save this? So I do the same thing. Anytime we see sofas we like, it all goes into a spreadsheet because um, it's like quick references. And so that's a kind of a strange myth- methodology I've created for myself, but it's a really calming way for me to show up uh, every day. Oh yeah, I was just about to ask because I mean. When I originally read, when you said, you know, you know, my mind is like having, you know, multiple tabs open, I immediately thought, oh, that's got to feel, you know, busy and a bit heavy. And I'm sure you have some counter practices or setups or systems. And like, to me, this seems like this is it. Because then, you know, you're able to pull that out of your, your mind, cr- free up some mental real estate to then... I assume get to the next step, which is, um, and you know, I like this language, this is from your website, but to connect those dots, right? So like what's, you have the spreadsheet set up, you go in there, what are you looking for? I am looking for really subcultural things. So I don't want to hear about the things that things that I don't save are things that everyone sees all the time. I want to like get into the sort of like gritty underbelly of like why society functions the way that it does. Um, Mm. So one thing that I was saving, and this is a very like specific reference, but I was like, there's something going on with like odd beauty. And I'm saying this because, you know, every year it's always something with some sort of trend around someone's bleaching their eyebrows, somebody's, you know, doing this, someone's having this kind of like piercing or whatever it is. And I was like, but there's something bigger going on. And I started looking at what were people doing aesthetically with their hair and makeup. Then I started paying attention to what they were wearing. Then I was looking at like what they were reading and how they were showing up online. And then also what was going on with the workforce. And I know that that was a strange one, but I was like, there's something happening that people feel more freedom to show up not perfect every day yeah and i think it's because we're not going to the office that was my hunch mm. and so i was like okay let me like play with this so i started saving all of this content and then throughout the course of like the last year and a half you started seeing the rise of like goblin core which was you know people sort of being in their like lazy sloth like era where they were like <laughs> no it's okay for me to not you know be perfect and be this like hyper you know type a person every single second of the day my house is going to become more cluttered. And then you start seeing it, these like signals popping up in different, you know, facets where you're like, oh, people aren't having these perfectly streamlined homes anymore. Clutter core is coming next. Then you're starting to see people doing like, oh, really strange, <laughs> <laughs> like strange things with like their, the way that they show up and trust themselves, the way that they are creating is, you know, it's more collaged. It's more like, undone you don't know if it's actually finished or not and i was like this is so fascinating so that's my process for like everything okay of course it's very easy being on social platforms to look at aesthetics but i want to dig into the why 
And that's always when drivers, like what's the consumer behavior that they're exemplifying online, but why is it happening? And so that's usually my process. And how do you set up your, I guess you can say your external and internal environment to then, well, I guess to even ask those questions, but then start to come to a point where there's, you know, it's less of of all this input and all this stuff going on to, okay, here's where I'm going to narrow in and probably ask some other questions and have, you know, conversations with others and so forth. Yeah, I like, I really enjoy using images to do this. So it'll start typically in like 100%. Most of this comes from like Pinterest or, you know, I'm right, see videos and stuff on TikTok or Instagram, but I'm saving it. And then I usually match it back to an article. So I start like either using like a row board where, you know, it's an interactive sort of free form environment online, which is an amazing tool. People haven't heard of this yet. Um, But I use it and I start to cluster things together. Um, And it's something that I learned really early in my career as a forecaster is the power of a Mm, post-it. Just having ideas, write them all down. What do you have? Write down all these ideas and then start to group them together by things that are similar. And then all of a sudden you have 50 to 75 to 100 different post-its that are all starting to create these small clusters. And then you can start to pull out, oh, there's a theme. Oh, there's a really unique behavior that's happening. Oh, it's only happening at this part of the world or this city. Is there something else? Maybe I need to follow up and do the research so it's more well-rounded. And then you can start to see these like little clusters and stories popping up. And that's usually how I start. And then I, again coming from like a visual background, having a visual that corresponds with it makes more sense to me than just having words on a page. I need to have both. Um, and then from there, I'll start to play with, can I build a hypothesis around what I'm seeing and why I think mm. it's happening? And then I use my research to determine if I'm going down the wrong path. Then I start talking to people, like, am I the only one seeing this? Can you tell me what's going on with your industry? And then all of a sudden it starts to tell like a more um, streamlined story. And that's usually how things pop up. So like that is the type of work that I like to bring into the process when I'm forecasting in general is like, hey, this is what I've been seeing. Here's all the research I have that's been backing it up. Does it correlate with what you're seeing too? Yeah, I love it. I can't help but think and and ask you this because it's something I feel like I want to go through a, a bit of a hybrid of your system, but to do it for my own mind. And so I guess the question is, have you ever used those systems to, I guess, unpack your own mind of like to identify these bigger themes of maybe narratives that are floating around that might be holding you back or ones that you know, you know, allow to your mind to thrive and, and prime your mind and kind of go through almost a similar process to to pull that out and be like, okay, Like this is what's fueling maybe this narrative or these, you know, sets of emotions and so forth. And then, then get, again, just, it's the same thing, right? Then get to the point where like, okay, now I know I have data, I have insight, I can see the themes. Um, I can just make some subtle adjustments or put in some tools and rituals and so forth and, and kind of course correct. Yeah. Uh, I think it took me too long to get to that point of creating systems Um, but I actually, the first thing that I did when I started recognizing that I felt friction in my own mind, like when I'm on the job, I feel hyper confident, you know, that is my skill. I feel like I'm passionate about it. I want to bring it to work every day. And then it was like, but there's some sort of disconnect happening outside of it. So like, how do I figure out why it's happening? So I actually invested in a career coach and anyone who knows me knows that I consider career coaches, mentors to be secret weapons for your own, finding your own power. And Mm -hmm. so I invested in this career coach who is incredible. And the very first session he did with me was a value session. And it was just a bunch of words. He was like, just, you know, here's a hundred words. Find, you know, what values stand out to you, like pick the top 20. And I was like, oh, okay. And he gave me like three minutes. So it was not a lot of time to just like pick the words that I thought I liked. From there, he had me continuously narrow it down. And I finally got down to my top three. And my top three guiding, and we use it as like a triangle. 
Um, My guiding principles are like creativity, curiosity, and integrity. And Hmm. what I noticed is that when they are not lined up perfectly, that's when things feel really muddy and I can't find the direction. So it's important for me to, if I feel really fulfilled, usually creatively and, and through curiosity, which ties directly into like my ability to be really open to change or to be really experimental, playful. If integrity is not there, I have to dig into the why. So it gives yeah. me focus, which is really nice. And then I can say, okay, I need to find like the moral compass that's happening as to like why I need this why I feel like I'm not relating to what this person is telling me or, oh, this project isn't really to write back to something because, oh, that's right. It's driving something that I actually don't agree with. So it allows me to center myself. And that is my system. My system is purely on my values. Um, And I think because it's so personal and it's the way that I like to work, it's allowed me to go, oh, you know what? You're not actually being creative enough anymore. You should lean into that. And so it's been a really good like litmus for myself um, as I am navigating something on a personal front versus a professional front. Totally. How do you check in with yourself to see, okay, I'm, I'm off a little bit on, on this one. Like, what does that practically look like for you? Oh, yeah. It's typically rooted in emotions. So am I finding that I feel more drained by the end of the day? Am I noticing that I am feeling like small bursts of like excitement and passion and then all of a sudden it's like fizzling out? That's something I start to pay attention to. And that is, and it's usually my reaction to something. So I'll notice that when I'm excited about a project or like a piece of like research or a meme that I saw, it's like it is the most exciting thing in the world to me. But if I can't use it, then the frustration comes in. And so that is a moment of me saying, okay, well then how can I apply it? Is it meant to be used in my everyday professional world or is it something that I need to use in my personal life? So one thing that I noticed for myself was like, I kept getting frustrated with like what it meant to be creative. Um, You know, because sometimes as creatives, you're like, I'm meant to be producing something. I have to have an output in order to be creative. And it was like, that is really challenging for me because I feel like I'm an incredibly creative person, but like I can't do output every single day. And so it was like, well, what's the one thing that like I could do that makes me feel like I'm learning? And so that was lean into your other values. And then that's when I started playing more into like curiosity and it helped balance and reset some of the the things. But like, if I hadn't noticed that that was happening because of the way I was reacting to it in my like emotional you know, responses, I wouldn't have known that I needed to maybe open myself up to be even more curious in order yeah. to be more creative. So are you doing that? Is this through a journaling practice of some sort, like the checking in or just, I guess you have enough self-awareness and maybe reflective practices that you know you notice that emotional response and can pause to ask those questions? It usually takes me a little bit of touring, like, um, I think I do have a level of self-awareness for sure, but they usually come to fruition when I talk to a career coach. Um, That's the moment that he asks the questions. Like I think sometimes having come from like a research background, I'm so used to asking the questions to other people that I forget to ask them to myself. So having someone there who's holding me accountable is helpful as a tool. Um, And then I usually do write things down. So um, we have a, a system that we use and I have to ask questions in that system and it allows me to be like, oh, wait, yeah, I was spending too much time on that other thing. I should focus on this instead. And, oh, the reason I didn't like that is because it was questioning my integrity. So, oh, I should probably like reset there too. And um, okay. those engineering practices is like, yes, there's a level of like writing and reflecting, but it's also being vulnerable enough to have a conversation with someone else so that I'm not just holding it in for myself. Yeah. I have to ask you, given you have a lot of notebooks, given your, you know, um, you appreciate and respect good questions. If you, if you were able to, to design the perfect notebook for yourself, uh, personally, like what would that, and it, maybe it's a, it's a mix of personally and professionally, but what, like, what, 
what would be in that notebook? What would be the spreads that would be like, okay, this I, I could use this in the morning, day, evening, like whatever. Oh, I love that. Um, I think it would absolutely be a mix of, I like a good grid for writing, um, but I also need blank pages and I need it to be flexible um, and not too big because I want to be able to carry it around. Like it's important that like portability is high. Um, I want there to be a section that's like, what are you excited about today? Like, a yeah. good, like, what are you excited about? What are you hesitating? Like, where is the hesitation coming from? Like, I think that's one thing that I don't think we ask ourselves enough is like why we procrastinate, why we feel a sense of like dread before we start a project or whatever it is. Like, maybe if we ask ourselves the questions or wrote it down, that could be a helpful yeah. way to just like, oh, it's okay. You're being human. You're getting in touch with yourself. Um. So yeah, like those like two like that. really high. Um. You know. What does a great week look like? <laughs> mm. um, how are you like, if you're like we, this week I got really excited because I've been cooking a lot recently. Okay. And it was like having a place to be like, what are you eating? Not let me check your calories. Are you ensuring that you're eating the vegetables? Are you doing a calorie count? Like, no, what are you excited about making tonight? Um, yeah. What ingredients do you feel like are missing? Um, What's your go-to song this week? Like things that are more personal that have nothing to do with the output again, but are more about like checking in with yourself, I think would be a nice thing. Like, and I love it being on the left because um, I like to use both sides of the page. Okay. How do you work with the left? And then on the right is like, how do you bring it to life? So space to create. So like, is the left gridded? Is the right blank? Um, is there room to play with colors and they don't bleed through on the next page? Uh, that's sort of an ideal notebook, I think, to me. I love it. I love it. Well, I happen, my publisher for my book happens to be a very high quality New York City based notebook company. So I'm collecting some of these questions because uh, one day I definitely would like to create some sort of uh, personalized notebook like this. And, and like I said, I've been collecting these questions and I love them because they're a mix of of checking in, but then also just the power of setting an intention for the day or the week is so underrated. It's, yeah. it's, it's unbelievable. Like it, it's something that is free to all of us that literally takes, you know, less than a minute often and can completely dictate the, the results of the day and how we show up and how we feel. And it's just it probably what you know what you're you're seeing here as well like one question can do that yeah which is so exciting right speaking of just you know letting the mind breathe and uh activate the mind we we had our first chat last week and you mentioned uh you had some friends over and so forth um and essentially there was a three-year-old over there that kind of took over the party can you, <laughs> can you explain what happened and i guess just you know, what you learned from that experience. Yeah. Um, so yes, we had a dinner party with um, some friends and one of them needed to bring their daughter, uh, who's three, because um, they didn't have a babysitter. And, you know, our house is not kid-friendly just yet, but we we're like, okay, <laughs> this we'll figure this out. And she just was the exemplary curiosity soul. Like there's just something about her that she was... She's a kid. She asks all the questions. She yeah. wants to know what you're up to. But she had a coloring book. And we were really excited about it because it wasn't pre-drawn coloring book. I guess it was just a sketchbook, actually. Like, there were some things in there, but she was drawing. And she had each of us go around and draw for something based on what she prompted us with. That's so awesome. She was like, I want a lion. And so we would draw a lion. I want flowers. And we draw flowers. And then she's like, I want to be a princess and I need a white dress with blue flowers. And I want to wear red shoes. And I need a flower crown. And just like she started talking to us. But it was really fascinating because she was standing behind us as we were drawing and, and prompting us like, oh, I like that. Can I have this <laughs> color? Can I have this? And it just like there's something about taking down all of your guard. And yeah. being, okay, I'm going to lean into this. Like ask someone asking you to draw on the spot is sometimes a nightmare, you know, like you're like, yeah. oh, like good enough. And you're like, questioning yourself. But like, 
when you loosen up and just like learn to have fun and yeah, okay, it's coming from a three-year-old. We all did it. So it was like 10 adults and one child. And by the end of it, we had all these drawings from the night. And then we also discovered so much about each other in like our styles and oh. what we chose to show up. And, um, you know, like, oh, I had no idea you had this background in art. That's so cool. Or like, how did you think about this? Because one of the, the parents that were there, he, like, we were pretty creative uh, friend group and one is a set designer. And so it was really cool to see like his difference between the architects that were in the yeah. room versus the like, you know, my coming from like a traditional painting background and like, it was just super fun. And like, we wouldn't have done that if she wasn't there. And if she mm -hmm. hadn't brought this notebook for us to color with. And he had these like big fat crayons too. So like, it was not about detail. It was about truly just like creating concept. Yeah. I, I just, there's so many things that just are, are making me smile. And I can't help but think like, I feel like there's a whole project or a series of some sort in, in, around this vein of like bringing in a three or like, you know, someone's three-year-old and you're part of it, of course. So it's not, you know, an offside situation, but <laughs> that they're like, you know, the three-year-old you know is excited and is getting something out of this as well. But then bringing together like just completely different, people and from different walks of life and just seeing what is created you know and it's like this this beautiful art project in a way I, like there there would be so take like your experience and just amplify it you know to an exp exponential uh level it's got to be some really fascinating things that would come out of that yeah so cool is there anything else uh amir that you know, for, for your mind to help clear it, to help process and whatnot, that is a non-negotiable in your world? Oh, yeah. Um, going for a walk. <laughs> yeah. You know, the power of a walk. Um, it's really important. Um, you know, we have a dog and I definitely, like we have a yard. So she tends to like, you know, go outside there. And for a long time, um, I wasn't doing enough to like go outside in Bill Finney's walks because, you know, you get back down at a job and you yeah. think that, like that's more important than anything else. But we have been setting aside 30 minutes to walk every day. Mm. Um, and when my partner is home, he and I will both go and take her for like a good hour of walk, which is nice. Um, and then also just gym time. So I've noticed that like I have my gym days like most people, but like that is me time and I sign off early. Um, so those are my non-negotiables. Um, okay. My newest non-negotiable that I'm very excited about is my partner is Italian and I started learning Italian this year. And so carving out that time for myself to not just be in the lessons that are like, you know, an hour to two hours long, a couple of times a week, um, but also just the space to study and turning yeah. it into a game. So yesterday I was prompted to start making flashcards. And so okay. now our new ritual is going to be rooted in like him, you know, playing these flashcards back to me and having fun. Because I think that's the thing is like sometimes when you create rituals or you create these like non-negotiables, I need a mental reset. So serious. So and, true. And it's like, oh, I have to like go to the gym. I have to like go grocery shopping. I have to go do this thing. And it's like, actually, like you could learn to have fun with it. And that's the piece that I found made me more excited about having a gym day or learning mm -hmm. Italian was not in how much pressure am I putting on myself to like get it done, but more, are you having fun in the process of doing it? And does it make you feel a sense of ease when you're like, yeah, I'm done at three because I need to focus on me. Yeah. I love that, that reframing. Cause I see it as well, even with a lot of the practices that I work with, whether it's, you know, journaling or breath work and meditations and stuff like that. But there's usually not all the time, but there's usually like this, this heavier waiting to around like using journaling to process a tough situation or, or, you know, uh, channel different difficult emotions and, and, and so forth. But you can use all of this stuff in the complete opposite end of that spectrum of like, just getting excited, you know, about a project or like what you shared and just coloring and letting your, you know, your, your mind go wild essentially. And, and, opening it up or learning a new language and being excited. Of course, you're, you know, you're probably feeling the, the progress of that, which as humans, I mean, you know, we, we resonate with that with emotions linked to progress, of course, 
But then just like looking at it, it's like I have to learn a new language or I have to go to the gym is is very different than like I get to do this and and you know showing up with like excitement and joy. Um, so important, so important. On that line, just I'll start wrapping up. Like one of the one of the questions I wanted to ask you is just like what what makes you smile each day? Oh, um, I think a big thing is. I get to own my schedule for more than I ever have. So okay. from home, I am lucky enough that um, I live just far enough away from the office that I don't need to go in all the time. Um, <laughs> but working from home has been a game changer for me. Having more yeah. autonomy to like take an hour lunch break and make myself a really beautiful lunch or being excited about being home with the dog, having the opportunity to have you know, a couple days a week working with my partner. Like that is, that makes me smile every single day that I have created this life that allows me to do that. Um, I know that I'm very lucky that that's the case, but it just like gets me up every day. Yeah. Like, yeah, I can sit here and have like an amazing cup of coffee and I don't have to leave my house. I still get dressed yeah. every day. I still wear really nice stuff. Like that's really important to me. But like being able to just like, be in my house and work have a major commute or be excited that when he comes home after work and I've already started dinner, like I never had that for the last like 15 years. So like, so nice that I finally have this for the first time. What do you, I have to ask, what do you think? Like, I'm sure obviously, you know, Pinterest probably has, has a part of that, but for you personally, like, how do you think you're able to get to that point and, and, and I guess design the life that, that is, is optimal for, for you to, feel great, be happy and feel inspired about the work that you're doing. I had a really rude awakening with my coach. Um, okay. Where we noticed that everything I was doing was for the betterment of the company and not for me. Mm. So when he gave me more tools and resources to start creating that separation between the two roles, I all of a sudden felt a sense of like relief and freedom to do the things that made me happier. So what I notice is, you know, I love working in brands and I would become that brand. You know, if I worked at WGSN, I was WGSN. If I worked at The Gap, I was The Gap. And I think that like now there's such a more balanced approach to mm -hmm. being at Pinterest where I'm like, yes, I love the brand. I love what we're doing. And I also love my life and it's different. I am yeah. more just a corporate employee on my own thing with a lot of different interests and values and like, you know, aspirations. And, and I think that giving myself the, the chance to lean into that more changed who I was when I walked into the company. So I'm really fortunate that like I had this coach before I even transitioned. And um, it's been this way for the last like year and a half of me truly just, hey, I have a work-life balance. I am not my job. And that's mm -hmm. been really helpful. Well, I hope you're giving yourself some well-deserved self-love for all of that. Because I mean, that's, you know, that's, just the beautiful benefits of putting in the work and asking at times some some uncomfortable questions to then get to this place where um, you know you feel very aligned and I can I can feel that in this conversation and and we all know this too like your your quality of work and what you're putting out there all of that benefits especially the people that are around you because of your energy like it's all just a ripple effect that we don't talk about that often. Um, but we, you know, when we put our own oxygen mask on first, kind of before helping others, there's, you know, there's a reason for that, right? So, uh, sending some virtual high fives to you for, for doing that. Cause there is a ripple effect that we're all feeling, um, just even through you being you and, and the work that you're putting out into this world. So thank you. Last question for you. I mean, we kind of started with trends. I, I mean, we have to, I'd like to wrap it with trends, like especially on the well-being <laughs> side of things. What what do we need to be looking out for? What should we, uh, you know, where should we ask some more questions? Like kind of what's on your mind when it comes to just health and, and well-being and, and so forth? Yeah. Um, I think right now I'm really more focused on emotional health. Yeah, talk um, to me. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of mechanisms where you should focus on what you eat and, and how you work out and on, you know, mental health. So like, are you talking to the right people? Are you able to express yourself? But I think reminding yourself that like emotions have more than 10 words. 
Because I think sometimes mm. we, we, I'm sad, I'm angry, I'm happy, I'm, you know, I'm down today, whatever. Yeah. Like, there's complexity in the way that we think and it changes throughout the day. So, like, how are you focusing on emotional regulation? Yeah. And yeah. we've seen that so many more uh, things come out. Like, there's this awesome app that um, Pinterest actually made that's called How You Feel. And oh. um, you can download it on the app store and it's just this awesome tool that it's like four different quadrants and you do it on a daily basis and it gives you prompts and it's just a nice way to check in with yourself. I think that that's to your point, you know, when it comes to doing the work, like you yeah. have left check-ins and, and I think it starts with your emotions first oh, and foremost. I can't wait to check that out. I'm just curious. Um, because I've I, I use Pinterest quite a bit for uh, historically and, and now as well, just almost like creating vision boards in a way yeah. and linking those for the most part. Because I'm a very visual person, person using those visuals to stimulate emotion and so forth. And I'm having run a, a journaling app in the in my past life. There's this this question of you know how this how you feel app, which I mean I obviously haven't looked at, but. It would be beautiful if there's like a way when you're answering these these questions and, and tapping into your emotions and whatnot that like, is it linked to then feeding you content that can shift the mood or support the mood, you know, that you're in if, if that's what you want and so forth. Like you, there's so much that you have access to obviously with in terms of content and whatnot that um, oh, there's a powerful thing there. Yeah. Excited. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I mean, we, we could definitely chat a lot longer. I, I, we might have to have a part two, I'll, I'll be honest, because there was a whole section there that I really wanted to talk to you about uh, the home and setting oh. up our home and designing our home and doing like little micro tweaks for, uh, I know you're, you know you're quite passionate about color theory, like all of these different things, but just essentially like setting up our environment for our external environment to, to allow our internal environment to thrive. Yeah. Um, so maybe we can we can line something up down the road to you know just ju jump into that topic. But this was really good as a intro to all things uh, the amazing things of of your beautiful mind and the work that you're putting out there and your life and so forth. So thank you, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, and I would love another conversation. I think that it's it's amazing to be able to have the chance to talk about this yeah. because, you know, there's not many outlets that are about dialogue. It's truly, you know, internal conversations or you're sharing it with someone else, but like real dialogue is so powerful. And so thank you for having this forum. Oh, received. I'll take that. Thank you. Until next time. Thanks everyone for tuning in and we will be back with a round two. I can't wait. Be well. Keep rocking it out there. Thank you.